Welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. Join us today as we explore the word-giving, insightful solutions for day-to-day living. We pray this message encourages you throughout your day. You can also visit www.thrivechurch.me. Now, on to today's message. Great to be with you guys today. Man, last week was such an amazing week and what God uh, did at Thrive. We had 28 people baptized at both locations, uh, went public with their faith, and that's 50 people this year that said, man, I'm going public with my faith. I don't know about you, but that's something to get excited about, right? Amen. That's why we do church. I mean, you know, we don't do church just for programs and those things, but to see people take next steps with Jesus. Well, today, I am pumped to start a brand new series called Stay Positive. And so go ahead and turn to your copy of God's Word to Proverbs eleven twenty-seven, 27, and then put your finger in Romans 8, Proverbs eleven twenty-seven. 27. I need this series. I don't know about you, but I am what people, what I, what I like to call a realist. Any realist in the house? All right, yeah, you're just real, being real, right? You know what you really are? You're like me. You're a pessimist. (laughs) My wife calls it a jerkist. (laughs) So we we say, well, I'm just being real about this. I'm being real about that. But really, in the world we live in, it's such a negative world. We're surrounded by negativity so much, whether it be at our jobs or whether it be even in our own homes or around friends um, and even social media, right? You see so much negativity. Sometimes it's great to scroll and see funny things and, and you know, puppy videos and things of that nature. But I believe that this series is so important for every follower of Jesus, Because we have the hope of the world. Our sins have been forgiven. We've been washed. We have heaven as our home. And we should be the most positive people on planet earth. And folks are looking at us and judging Jesus by our lifestyle. I don't know about you, but no one with pickle juice face has ever had anybody come and say, man, I don't know what it's about you, but I want what you have. They're like, no, I don't want that religion you have. And I think we should be people that are optimistic, that are positive. And so the next five weeks, we're going to look at several attributes of what I believe a Christ follower should be through Scripture. Um, this week's I'm Optimistic, we'll look at being grateful, being encouraging, being enthusiastic, and being generous. I've been excited about this series here because... Um, I am sometimes surrounded, especially when I go play basketball and things like that, I'm surrounded by negativity around people. And have you ever seen that stuff rubs off on you? Like you'll be happy. Like you're listening to worship music and you're going into, into work and then you get in there in five minutes, you literally in your mind have cussed five people out. Now, I know none of you do that, right? No, 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 no. That, none of you would ever do that because you're way, way too holy. But today we're going to talk about being optimistic from scripture, being optimistic. So do me a favor, this is weird, but look at your neighbor and say, I'm going to be optimistic, right? Gets a little weird. Hope you had mints. Now I want you to look at the other neighbor you didn't choose. And say, sorry, I didn't choose you. Don't be negative. (laughs) Do you know the biggest difference between a pessimist and an optimist? The scripture says that my cup runneth over. Now, an optimist looks at it and says, man, this is awesome. My cup runneth over. And a pessimist is like, there's a big mess to clean up because my cup runneth over. That's the biggest difference between a pessimist and an optimist. And sadly enough, I lean on the other side of that. Do you know we're also negative toward ourselves? Have you ever found yourself being negative with, with self-talk? I'm not good enough. I can't do this. And a lot of times we're even negative to ourselves. And we use pessimism even on ourselves in our life. 
there are some people who complain about everything. You ever met those people? Don't look at your spouse. <laughs> but they'll tell you how the economy is just going terrible. It's so bad. This is so rough. America's just doomed. And then they'll look and say, don't get me started on those teenagers. That social media has done corrupted their mind. And them plastic bottles, that a guy told me this. He said, the plastic bottles you drink the water and drinks from, they're corrupting us and they're destroying us. They're making our mind. And the icing on cakes, he told this old man, said, the icing on the cakes making people go crazy. <laughs> and then you say, you know, and, and, and churches are declining and churches are plateauing. And they don't sing the songs I want to sing. And the government is spraying poison on our crops. There's something always to be negative about, right? You can always find something that you don't like, something that you're not into. But let's think about it in a positive manner. God is doing so much even in our country and even in our life. And when I look back and say 50 people got water baptized this year, some of y'all are like, yeah, who cares? Preach, man, preach. That excites me, right? That gets me pumped up. It shows God is still working and he's still moving despite what pessimists try to tell tell us. See, the truth of the matter is this. You'll, you'll find what you're looking for. You will. If you're looking for things that are negative and you're looking for it to be a pessimist, you're going to find it. But let me say this. You'll also find reasons to be optimistic if you look for it. You know the biggest difference between a hummingbird and a, and a buzzard? Every morning, each one of them go out and they're searching, aren't they? They're looking. The, the vulture finds negative, bad things to feed on, decaying dead things. And the hummingbird flies around and finds sweet little things to feed on all day. I am like the buzzard. Any buzzards in the house? Come on, y'all, right? And some of you are naturally like hummingbirds. That's how uh, Pastor Brian and Pastor Mark from Richmond campus is. But I want to be a hummingbird when I look for the things of God. I can actually see God working and see God moving and get past myself. As a matter of fact, in Scripture, Solomon wrote this in Proverbs eleven twenty seven. He says, if you search for good, you will find favor. But if you search for evil, it will find you. You will get what you're looking for many times. You know, um, some of you have already decided when you heard the Stay Positive series, you're like, I came to this church and I want to hear the word of God. I don't want this feel good pop preaching psychology. This Dr. Phil and Oprah stuff on the stage. What is this feel good stuff? I want the Bible. That man better preach the Bible to me. This, this feel good. Let me tell you. This is not about feeling good. This series and being optimistic is not about feeling good. We are going to be optimistic in our lives, not based on how we feel, not based on what we see, but based on what the Word of God says to us. That's the reason we can be optimistic. As a matter of fact, if you're taking notes, I want you to, to write this down. I'm not optimistic based on what I feel. I'm optimistic based on what God says. I'm not optimistic based on what I feel. I'm optimistic based on what God says. See, Hebrews 4.12, and it's not in your notes or on the screen. It, it, the writer of Hebrews makes a weird statement. He says, the word of God is sharper and quicker than any double-edged sword. It can actually divide the soul and the spirit. You're like, what in the world does that mean? That's crazy. Your soul is where your emotions are at, right? That's, that's where your, your emotions come from. 
And your spirit, the Bible says, is where you know, the Holy Spirit speaks to you and he dwells there and he, and he does. And many times we confuse emotion and what God is doing or God is not doing. We, you know, you can feel terrible. You can have a, the worst day ever and you can be depressed and God is still working in your life. Why? Because the, the Bible says he's working in our lives. Does that make sense to you? And many times we think feeling good's based on emotion. It's never based on emotion. When you look at the word of God, he separates the emotions. He separates feeling good. He separates all those things and says, man, let my word speak to your spirit. Let it encourage you. Let it bring truth to you. And the word of God is life-giving. That's why at church, when we do verse-by-verse series, which we've got one coming up after this series, I want you to feed on the word of God. I want you to feel, because when you open the Word of God up and you open the Bible up, it changes your perspective on everything. And so today what I want to do is this. I want to give you eight reasons why you can be optimistic for Romans 8. That sounds pretty cool, right? I mean, there's like 30 reasons in there, but I realize if I preach 30 reasons for Romans 8, some of you would be pessimists by the time that message is finished. You would be very hungry and mad that I would preach that much there. So I have eight reasons on why we're going to be optimistic, not based on what we feel, right? But based on what the Word of God says to us. And I also look at Romans 8. Now, I have eight reasons. You're going to need to listen fast because I'm going to preach fast. And so if you can listen fast, I can preach fast. Is that a deal? Amen. All right. Here's the first point to write in your notes. Eight reasons to be optimistic from Romans 8. Number one is my sins are forgiven and my eternity is secure. My sins are forgiven and my eternity is secure. Look at Romans 8, 1 and 2. Look at Romans 8, 1 and 2. Paul writes, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. How much? None. No. None. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Listen to me. On your worst day, when things all around you are going wrong, you can pause and thank God for the beautiful salvation that he has given you. You can thank him that no matter how long or short your life is, you have eternity to be with him. Amen. And you can be encouraged by that, whether you're on the bedside of a loved one who is dying, or whether you're at the, 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 the prime of your life, whether you're winding down in life, and some of the bones and joints don't work like they used to. Some of y'all know what I'm saying. You're not optimistic based on what you feel. You're optimistic based on that your sins are forgiven and your eternity is secure. And, and, you know, I talk, talking to Pastor Mark Thomas at the Richmond campus, and if you've never been over there, you need to go just to meet that guy. Um, he's like literally the most encouraged. This series should have had his face on it. Anybody believe me? Anybody know Pastor Mark from Richmond? Some of you do? Okay. Happiest, most optimistic guy ever. And somebody asked him one time, and he comes into the office, and I'm like literally like working, got task lists, like... I'm writing, I'm just, you know, he walks in and he's just like, hey, how's everybody? I mean, hugging, high-fiving and, and jumping up and doing dances and secret handshakes and all this stuff. And, and I'm just like, good Monday morning to you. I am busy. I have things I need to do. Fist bump and I go back to it. And one day, it's funny, I mean, I mean, I mean you know, um, he brings that out, out, out of me, the, 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 the happy, stay positive thing. But somebody asked him one time, why are you so optimistic? Why are you so happy? Why are you so enthusiastic? He said, man, 
Because I, I was on my deathbed at 32 years old, emaciated, going to die. He said, man, God save me and redeem me. He said, I have, a, I have a lease on life. That's why I'm happy. He says, if you'd have known me before I knew Jesus, I was angry. I was mean. If you looked me wrong, I would punch you in the face. I mean, that's this guy. And so when he said that, he said, I tell people all the time, I am happy. I am optimistic because my sins are forgiven. And I know where my eternity lies. And I'm so joyful because of that. See, we don't base our optimism on what we feel, do we? We base it on what the Word of God says and what God has done for us. Here's the second point. Why are we optimistic? Eight reasons for Romans 8. The second is this. Jesus is at the right hand of God praying for me. Write that in your notes. Jesus is at the right hand of God praying for me. And look what Paul writes in Romans 8, 34. He says, Christ Jesus who died, more than that, I love that, who was raised alive, because he didn't stay on the cross, did he? Right? I, I wonder sometimes what we need is just an empty tomb up there, not a cross, because he didn't stay there. I love Paul's like, oh, no, 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 more than that. He was raised alive. Is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. See, you can be optimistic because Jesus is at the right hand of God praying for you. Isn't it encouraging when you know somebody's praying for you? When somebody powerful is praying for you? You know there's the people that pray really powerfully. Anybody know those folks? My grandmother was that lady. And she was also a very happy person. But when we would pray, like she had the prayer voice. I remember those times when I was tell my grandmother, I, you know, I'm, I'm going off, you know, planting the church. I come home to see her. And she'd say, shook. And she walked with her cane. She said, come on, get over here. I said, we got to pray. You're doing the Lord's work. And she would join together, my wife and I. And she would lay her hands on us. And you'd feel that prayer hand go on you. And she had the prayer voice, Right. Because she's all happy and she prayed. She was like, Lord God. I mean, it's like that, you know, that prayer, prayer voice, right? And then she would lift her hand up to heaven and you knew she was like beaming down the power of God as she was praying for you. You knew she was making connection, right? And she would pray for me. And I would be so encouraged because my grandmother, who knew the Lord and was powerful in Jesus, was praying for me. And I was so encouraged. And she would send me a little card each month with $30 in there when we planted our first church. And she would write a little note and say, I'm praying for you, Suge. I love you and, and all that God's doing th through you. And that was encouraging. But I'm here today to tell you something. There was somebody more powerful than grandma praying for you. There was somebody more powerful than your best friend praying for you. There's somebody greater than a pastor praying for you, and his name is Jesus. And he is literally at the right hand of God right now, praying for your needs, praying for your concerns, interceding, meaning he cares for you. The little things that you think nobody cares about, when you don't feel valued or appreciated, and you don't feel like life is going where it needs to go, and you haven't told anybody, Jesus knows. And you know what? He's praying for you. And that's why you can be optimistic. When everything's going wrong and everything's going bad, you can look at your spouse and say, you know what? Here's the thing. Jesus is risen. He's at the right hand of God and he is interceding on our behalf. There is nothing to worry about because we are followers of the Lord Jesus. Is that not good news today, church? Amen. Some of y'all like that. Others of you, maybe you need to just keep posting on Facebook. I hope everybody prays for you. I'm glad Jesus does. 
Here's the third reason to be optimistic for all the pessimists in the house that don't like this optimistic message. Uh, the third point is this. My future victory is greater than my present pain. Write that in your notes. My future victory is greater than my present pain. Look at Romans 8, 18. Paul says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Now, there's two ways that you can kind of interpret this passage is that you can say, number one, when we get to heaven, there'll be like a glory revealed. But I also believe this, whenever you're suffering for the kingdom... And God is wringing you out and using you beyond what you could ever imagine. And you're going through persecution and you're going through things. If you have the right posture, you understand that God's preparing you for what he has prepared for you. When I look back on the toughest times of my life, when I look back on that, I can now see that God was preparing me for this day. And so now when I go through, through something very difficult or very trying, you know what? I, I know that God is using that to prepare me for something in the future that I, I'm going to face. The things that you guys know that I face with my parents and losing them, the things I've been through with all that. It's, listen, it's one thing to have a doctor tell you about something. It's another thing when you sit with somebody and you have literally sat in the same seat they're sitting in. And you can empathize with them. And you can pray for them. And you know, man, I went through that. And that was painful. But God is revealing glory through me to somebody else. He's literally revealing Jesus to me. Uh, through me to somebody else. And what I'm going through. If you're going through pain. If you're going through suffering for the gospel. Not because you made really bad mistakes. He'll forgive you and help you. But if you're, if you're, if you're ringing yourself out for the Lord. If you're making decisions in life. And are causing suffering and pain. Let me tell you, God is shaping you. God is shaping you for future victory. To help someone else. To pour into somebody else. And that reshapes. That's why you can be optimistic today if you are going through something difficult. That's why James said, count it pure joy when you're going through trials. Diverse trials of, of, of many kinds. Amen? Because you know that God is always preparing you for what he has prepared for you. He's always working in your life in that behalf. Here's the fourth reason to be optimistic. Is anybody optimistic yet? Is anybody a little happy about your, about, about your life and your future? Not based on what you feel. Right? Not based on what you see around you. But based on what the word of God says. Let's look at the fourth point. My mind is filled with the peace of God. My mind is filled with the peace of God. Look at Romans 8 6. He says the mind governed by the flesh is death. When you're thinking negatively, you know, you got the, the negative thoughts you're thinking carnal thoughts and you're, you're letting your mind go the way of the world in that, in that sense man, that'll bring death to you. You can't sleep at night. You start getting stressed out. I know none of you get stressed, right? Y'all, y'all way too holy to get stressed. But this guy, y'all, I get stressed. And I know when I'm sensing those things and my mind is running here and there. And, and I don't know about you, but does your mind play out things? Like, 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 like a movie? Like, like literally you're like, well, you play things out in a negative manner. So you're thinking six months down the road, this could all happen to me negatively. And how many times has that actually happened to you? Hardly ever does that happen to you. 
And if you're like me at night, you're laying in bed, all these thoughts are running and things are racing and you're, you know, you're having imaginary conversations with people and you're busting some people out and you're, you know, you're telling some people off and you're, you know, you, you dream of walking into your job and just, you know, doing, telling the boss you're done and all this stuff, you know. You're arguing with people. That's the mind governed by the flesh. But look what Paul says. He says, but the mind governed by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is life and it is peace. When you sense yourself, and he even writes in another passage, he says, take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Meaning that when, the, when, when terrible, negative, anxious thoughts come in, and you're going through this stuff, and you can literally sense your life shaping that way, you can pause and say, oh, I need to check you at the door. Holy Spirit, help me see this situation like you see it. Don't let me go down that road. Because you will play every negative thing out. You'll begin to believe things that aren't even true in your mind. And the enemy will work against you in that. But there's a promise in scripture that, listen, the mind governed by the spirit is life and it is peace. You can have the peace of God in any situation. I remember when we went to our Dominican mission trip. And I was dealing with a lot of stuff at once and everything, you know, my life is like, ah, you know, if I had hair, I would have pulled it out. That's actually what happened about five years ago. I went through a tough, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> it's just a male pattern baldness and I shave, but, but I would have pulled my beard out. It was a tough time. And I was like, man, if I go on this trip, I've got, because like when I take time off, I got to work twice as much to make it all up. That's the, the curse of a vacation when you're in this role. So, so I'm like, I don't think I need to go on this trip. I was anxious. I was sitting there like thinking about all the stuff I had to do. I was thinking about all, all these things. And my wife was like, well, can't you actually like change the way you're thinking about all this? Like if God made the sun stand still for Joshua... Couldn't he like actually help you with some of your work and like make some time and help you and do some things? And I was like, well, you know what? It'd be better if um, you'd let me preach and you not preach because I'm the one who has reverend in my name and you just work at a hospital. So if I get sick, I'll go to the hospital and you can help me. But right now I don't need any IVs or medication. No, I didn't say all that, right? Right? Because you don't say those things to your wife and be married, you know, uh, happily, happily married ever after. <laughs> But what I did was I changed my whole mindset going into that place. Not how much I had to do when I got back. But I said, God, I'm going to go and I'm literally going to have no agenda when I go. So like I'm literally going there and, and I'm in a car and they're like, well, hey, here's, here's what we're going to do. This guy's not coming to nine to pick us up. Then I was like, I don't care. Hey, man, I'm hanging out here. I'm just hanging out. I'm going to drink coffee and read the Bible. Somebody comes and picks us up. and we're gonna, I can't go anywhere. I'm literally in this, this country for several days. And I'm going to enjoy it. And I'm not going to worry about what next week holds or the week after holds. I'm going to serve people in joyful obedience. And I will not let anxiety take me under. And friends, let me tell you, that's just not the only time I have to do that. I have to do that, man, probably weekly. When I look at everything, and you look at your task list, you look at your to-dos, you look at all the things, and you have to say, you know what? I will have my mind filled with life and filled with peace. Dude, that's a promise of scripture. I think that's one of the best ones you can probably grab onto today. So here's number five. If God is for me, 
Who can be against me? If God is for me, who can be against me? Look at Romans 8, 31 and 33. And Paul says, if God is for us, who can be against us? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? For it is God who justifies. If God is for me, who can be against me? Now some of y'all are like, time out. I got a lot of folks against me. <laughs> it doesn't mean people won't be against you. And when you live for Jesus, you're going to naturally have people who just don't like you. You're naturally going to have people who like, you know, think things about you and say things to you. Like, I, I, I love personally, as to be honest with you, I don't tell people I'm a pastor. Because like in today's world, it's not, it's not a, like a revered job, you know. People are like, uh, you know, you tell them, uh. And like nobody in our, our, our little two cul-de-sacs we live in, you know, go to church. So I pray for them every morning. And I went to a little 4th of July gathering they had and I hung out and nobody still knows what I do. Uh, my wife and I were out the other night eating and one of our neighbors actually stopped by the tables. Hey, good to see you. And just, we stopped and talked forever. And then we were talking with them and their friends, whatever said bye. And their friends had mentioned something about a youth group. And then the guy's like, yeah, those Bible thumpers, man, I'm going to tell you something. <laughs> I'm like, ugh, ugh. But you know what? Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I can't wait because I'm going to build a relationship with this guy. I'm going to be his friend. And when he finds out I'm a pastor, I believe he's going to look at the gospel differently. If God be for me, he can't be against me. Man, I know what? He's, he's, that, I'm praying that guy falls in love with Jesus. And I don't know who it is against you at work and who it is against you in your family and who's against you uh, for following the Lord. But if God be for you, who can be against you? For it is God who justifies it's God who justifies. There are guys I play basketball with early in the morning, way before y'all ever get up. Right? Some of y'all still sleep in the mornings at 5.30. And I'm playing, but those, some of those guys have chosen not to like me because one guy found out I was a preacher and he was like going around telling me I was a preacher. I was like, stop it, stop, stop. And they just don't like me because of that. But you know what? I quoted that verse Friday when I went in there because I've been working on this message. I said, if God be for me, who can be against me? For it's him who justifies. Amen. Here's number six here. You guys okay with eight points today? Y'all better come back next week because this is enough points to last some of y'all for three months. What time, you know, how much y'all come to church, man? So you better come back next week. You got a lot of scriptures here. I mean, I'm good for three more months, man. This is awesome. <laughs> Number six, I'm joking. Come on, I'm very sarcastic. If you're new here, I, I apologize uh, on behalf of for the staff, those poor guys. Number six is this. God's Spirit helps me in my weakness. God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit helps me in my weakness. Look at Romans 8, 24 through 26. Paul says, who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. I don't know where you're weak at today. I don't know where you struggle. But if you're like me, you struggle. If you don't struggle, then we need to interview your spouse because they'll tell us about how, how you struggle. You know, people who, it, there was a teaching, listen to this, back in the early 1900s that you could like be perfect after you got saved. Be entirely perfect. And a bunch of men wrote these doctrines. And I would be like, you know what, let me interview their wives and I guarantee, like, you know, like, right? <laughs> Some of the men didn't like that. So here's the, God's spirit helps you in your weakness, wherever you struggle at. 
And many of us think we're on our own. We think Christianity is pulling ourselves up by our own bootstraps and just doing good. and be, I, I'm, I'm going to do the best I can. Man, you need to, literally you know what Christianity is? It's not trying to be strong, it's being weak. Christianity is where you say, I cannot do it. I am, I am no good. I can do nothing good. And God, if you don't help me, guess what? It doesn't get done because I can't do it in my own strength. I need you, God, in my life daily. That's Christianity. Everything else is new age. I can. I believe in myself and I'm going to do it. I'm going to tell you something. I don't trust myself. I don't believe in myself. All right. I believe in the Lord Jesus. And I throw, the Bible says even our hearts are wicked. And I throw myself at the Lord's feet and says, God, if you don't help me preach this message, it cannot get done. I was running this morning, me and man, um, outside, and I was going, going through my mind in this message, and I was literally praying, God, help me. God, help me. Because I never get up here believing I can just do this thing. Number seven is this. The seventh reason you can be optimistic. God is working everything. Say everything. everything. In my life for good. And I probably needed to add for his glory. And it says this in Romans 8, 28. You've all quoted it. You've got a card in the mail from somewhere on it with Hallmark. They use this. But here's what he writes. He says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those that, who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. We know that in what? All things. You know in the Greek what all things means there? It's really interesting in the Greek. It means all things. That should be encouraging today. That's everything in your life. That means God is working together on your behalf for your good and for his purpose and his glory. That's crazy. And, and where we miss it as, we don't, we don't, when we go through something, we don't say this to ourselves. See, David had to encourage himself in the Lord. He couldn't wait till Sunday to get to the prayer team. He couldn't wait to, to email or message somebody. He had to pause, the Bible says in Psalms, that he had to pause and encourage himself in the Lord. And there's times when you're going through something, you got to go self? God is working all things in your life for good. Self? God is working all things in my life for good and for his glory. Even though I don't like it, even though I don't feel it, listen, I'm not optimistic based on what I feel where I'm going through, why are we optimistic, church? Based on what God says. He is always working. God is always moving. He's always at work. Even though you can't see him and you don't feel him. There's times in worship services, people will have their hands raised and tears flowing. And you're like, man, I don't feel a thing. I told our staff, don't ever, don't ever, ever, ever say, we can, oh, I'm sure you can all feel the presence of God today. Because some of y'all are like, I know I've been like that. I don't feel a thing. But listen, I don't lift my hands and I don't worship because they play the song I want to, like a jukebox. I don't worship and thank Jesus because I feel good. I worship and thank him because of what he's done for me and based on what the word of God says. If I waited, listen, if you waited to do things till you feel good, nothing would ever get done. <laughs> He's always working. You know, we have a staff member, Justin Morris, who, um, you know, what we call operations, and the operations pastor, what is that? Well, he deals with all the, the finances, all the facilities and communications here at the church. And we have a lot of just facilities itself and trying to work with Doug and other guys on things and over at Richmond campus. It's a lot. It's a ton. And, and Justin's the type of guy, you don't need to micromanage him. I love it. 
He literally has all these task lists that he does daily and all these things going on. And so we'll talk and I'll say, hey man, you know, I was thinking that like, you know, uh, the, the, this over here needs to be done and, and like over there, like we need to kind of change this and, and, and I'll come through and just call it. The staff don't like me to come in the office so I get more work to do, right? <laughs> Ideas and creativity. And the thing is about Justin is, is that I cannot be in the office, but I know that guy's working. I have to tell him to stop working and go home. And here's the funny thing. I will show up at church and walk in and be like, wow, that's awesome. When did that happen? I had no clue that was even being done. Wow, that's really good. Like we replaced, if you're, not, if you're new here, these big walls with nice pipe and drape for sound purposes and mobility purposes. And I come in one day and it's all done. He's meeting with guys getting caught. He's doing all this stuff. He's always working. Things are just, I show up and things are done and it's awesome. He is, he is great. He's a blessing to this church. But let me tell you something that's how God is in our life. I don't see God working. Let me tell you, you'll show up one day and God's laid something out for you. I don't feel like God's doing anything. And he's always working. He's always moving. He is always working on your behalf. Isn't that encouraging? 24-7. Our God never sleeps. He never slumbers. Always working. And for me, that's so encouraging in my life. Justin Morris is kind of like God a little bit, right? You can tweet that one statement, then people will take it all out of context, but man, this guy's crazy. Here's your eighth and final reason. <laughs> eighth and final reason why we can be optimistic from Scripture. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. And look at Romans 8, 38 and 39. Paul says, for I am convinced... That neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present or the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Listen, there is no situation you're going to face where the love of God won't penetrate it. There's no situation you're going to face where the love of God will not invade that situation. There's nothing that you have done that God won't forgive you for. God loves you and nothing can separate the follower of Jesus from that love. There are days you won't feel like God's loved you. I don't know. You know, my two and a half year old those fits. He's upset and he'll get what he wants. That's how we get sometimes, right? I know me. And I, I'm, I'm a pessimist, so you get three or four bad things happen. I'm like, oh, the sky's falling. <laughs> you know? Jesus, take me home. I'm ready. Rapture ready, baby. <laughs> and that's sometimes how, how, how I feel when things of life surround you. Today, there's some of you facing circumstances. You, you're in, going through things in your life and you've just felt the draw to be pessimistic. You've felt the draw just to be negative about your marriage, negative about your job situation, negative about people in your life, negative about the health reports that have come in. I'm not asking you today to leave here feeling better. That is not the goal. You know me, I don't preach that feel-good stuff. 
I'm asking you to look at scripture and base your emotions on what God says about you and what God says to you, not based on what you see or what you feel. And when you're going through something, and some of you may face something this week, you're going to need to look at a friend, you need to look at a spouse, look at a co-worker, look at a mom or dad and say, you know what? We can be optimistic. Not based on how we feel, not based on what we see, but our God is working all things together for our good. Our sins are forgiven and our eternity is secure. Jesus is at the right hand of God praying for us. Amen. I mean, go through the list there and be encouraged today. I wanted somebody to pray for me and I got here too late. The prayer team was gone. Jesus is praying for you. I want us to leave with optimism and just like Pastor Mark from Richmond when somebody says, why are you so happy? Man, do you know who my God is and what he's done for me? Do, do, do you know Jesus? That is where we find optimism from. And that's what I'm praying for you. Let's pray today, guys. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. And I pray for every person today that is going through a situation and they don't feel it. They don't feel you. They don't feel it in their marriage. They don't feel it in their job. They don't feel it with, Lord, life. I pray today that the Word of God would separate the soul and the Spirit. That you, through your Word, would speak to them in the deepest part of their heart. And may they leave today being optimistic, God, looking toward the future with hope. Knowing, God, that you're at work. And knowing, God, that you're for them, not against them. I pray, Lord, that we could share this with the world. We ask for the Holy Spirit to help us right now in our weaknesses. And to help us as we leave here. And as we're praying today, church, and we're in a mode of our head bowed, nods closed, just to focus. If you've come into Thrive Church today, maybe you've come here and you know today is the day to give your life to Jesus. You may have walked 30,000 steps away, but you're ever only really one step away from him. Saying, Lord Jesus, be my Savior, my Lord. I repent. I turn to you and boom, you can be made new. You can have a fresh start today, no matter where you're at. You can go anywhere from here with him. If you're here today at Thrive and you say, Kevin, I want a fresh start. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to love him and serve him. I want him to be my savior. Maybe for the first time ever you're going to make this decision. Or maybe you're coming back to the Lord. But whatever situation you're in, what I'm going to do is I'm going to count to three. And when I get to three, just lift your hands up over this place. And you and I are going to pray together. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. This steps between me, you, and God. This is the first step. But today, if you want a fresh start, if you want to be optimistic based on who Jesus is for you and what he's done for you, if you want to give your life to him, the count of three, one, two, three, lift that hand. Say, that's me, Kevin. I want that today. Amen. Amen. I see that hand, man. Amen. Amen. Hands going up everywhere. Praise God. Right now where you're sitting, I want you to pray this with me today. I prayed this prayer 17 years ago, almost 18 now, and gave my life to Christ. I want you to pray. You say, Father God, it's just a confession of faith. You say, Father God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit I cannot save myself. 
I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe that He died on the cross and He rose again to wash away all my sins. Today, I confess Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. I repent of my sins. I turn and I want to live for you, God. It's in Jesus' good name we pray. Amen. Amen. God, several people made decisions for Jesus today. Amen. That's reason to celebrate. But I want us to do this. One of the commands in Scripture is to sing. And some of y'all are great when you sing to your rock stations on the radio like I am. But I want you to stand with me today. And we're going to have optimism. We're going to leave this place praising God today, singing the songs of God, being excited about what God's going to do. Amen. Let's put our hands together. Let's worship Him today. Come on, guys.